On Saturday night, the Florida Gators lost to the Kentucky Wildcats. Are they asking Anthony Richardson to do too much? We'll talk about it on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. You're available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Monday or sad Monday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore brand. Find my written work with Hold Nine Sports and Giants Country of SI.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code locked on and get your first deposit doubled. Up to $100. Before getting into today's content, just ask you to like, comment, subscribe, review, whatever it is. It's a sad It's a sad time. Um, we'll say that. But the Florida Gators, of course, lost to the University of Kentucky 26-16 on Saturday night. I think for me, there's a lot of issues. We're going to talk about play calling a bit later. I think the Florida Gators are asking Anthony Richardson to do too much. And we've kind of seen the confidence in Anthony Richardson from Billy Napier and his coaching staff. We also haven't really seen it. Like, Billy Napier, uh, he said uh, a week or two ago, he's like, man, my wife could call plays for for Billy for, uh, Anthony Richardson, and he'd make plays. Um, well, 35 pass attempts for Anthony Richardson is too much. He's just not that kind of quarterback that should be throwing the ball. 35 times. He dropped back 39 times. He's not the quarterback that should be throwing the ball 35 times yet. He's just, he's just not good enough to do that right now. And that's what I mean where we saw the inconsistencies. We saw, and Anthony Richardson even admitted afterwards, he's like, I feel like I let everybody down because I, you know, I, I missed a few throws and I lost my confidence and that, that hurt me for the rest of the game. So it's great that he could recognize that. Billy Napier has said all offseason, he's like, Anthony Richardson is great at identifying what he's bad at and what his issues are and all that. It's about fixing them now. But Anthony Richardson is who I, I don't like doing this victory lap thing, but I will say I've been talking about this the entire offseason. He's wildly inconsistent. He is. He, he does that. And we've seen it now. We saw him in a, a brief stretch against Utah struggle a little bit, a very brief stretch. And then we saw it against Kentucky for the majority of the game. Anthony Richardson struggled, 14 for 35 passing. There were, I think, two or three drops from the receivers. So not not this huge output of his passes were dropped. It, it, it was bad. That's the only way to put it. It was bad. And yes, I understand that on the first drive, it looked like he maybe banged up his ankle. But either way... He was asked to throw the ball too much. And I say, look, he was like the ankle thing because it means that he couldn't run as much. I'm not saying he needs to run the ball a ton either. Hand the ball off. Hand the ball off. That, that, that's what I mean. They're asking him to do too much. Anthony Richardson is not the type of quarterback that should be throwing the ball 35 times a game in an SEC game and expect to win, especially against a solid defense like the Kentucky Wildcats. Um, he dropped back 39 times when your ankle is that messed up as messed up as it looked like it was based on how he was throwing, uh, how he wasn't really running that much, how he was limping in between plays a little bit. 
it's going to impact your ability to throw the ball consistently. It is. So it's going to impact your ability to throw the ball consistently, and it's going to impact your ability to escape pressure, extend plays, and create plays on the ground. Like I said, he dropped back 39 times. He got sacked twice. Uh, one of them was as he was like running out of bounds and, and he got hit out of, and he got hit, like pushed out of bounds. Not, not that he got hit while he was out of bounds. Uh, he had two scrambles, which weren't big plays. He had two throwaways. So 14 for what? 33 now passing. That's wonderful there. I think that this coaching staff, which again, we'll talk about the play calling in the next segment, or we'll talk about it more in the next segment, but I think this coaching staff is kind of going, we have an incredibly dynamic playmaker at quarterback, which Anthony Richardson is, and he's he's got he can make plays with his legs, he can make plays with his arms, he can do a bunch. And I think they're going, we're gonna call the plays that we're calling, and we're gonna hope that you just that you make something more out of them. I think that's a lot to ask for a guy who just started his third game in the SEC or third game in college football, second SEC game, third time Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson has only started against ranked opponents. Last year, it was the championship Georgia Bulldogs. This year, it was number seven Utah and number 20 Kentucky. So, yeah, I I think you're asking a lot from him in games where you don't know fully still what you have from him. All you know is that he's inconsistent. I think the interceptions were Anthony Richardson kind of feeling the pressure of him going, genuinely, I'm playing like crap today. I am like I, I think Anthony Richardson in his mind is going, I'm playing horrible today. Uh, I, I'm playing horrible today. So I need to get this completion. I need to get this ball out. I need to create something where maybe uh, it, it wasn't there. Like that, the pick that wasn't returned for a touchdown was, I believe, to Jordan Wright, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if Jordan Wright was in contain or if Jordan Wright was supposed to be playing the flat and he was kind of just, or if he was spying Anthony Richardson. I don't know what it was, but it was not a smart throw, plain and simple. The other one to Naquan Wright, I don't know if it was an option route or what it was, but it, it was also a bad play. When you call boot and you've got an underneath option and an overtop option and the overtop option isn't there, your thought is either run the ball or check it down. Anthony Richardson banged up ankle. He he said, I'm going to check it down. I need to get the ball out. I need to pick up some kind of yardage. We are pressing for yardage. We are pressing for success offensively because we haven't had any, really, if we're being honest. So I think that Anthony Richardson kind of forced it through the pick. Then Naquan Wright through the pick six. It, it, it was just it was bad play calling. I will say for the most part, I think the execution was okay, except for Anthony Richardson. Um, he played a horrible, horrible football game. But again, and I said this before the season, I feel like I was one of the more critical players or one of the more critical uh, people in media about players and Anthony Richardson specifically. When you have a quarterback that has the ceiling that Anthony Richardson has, you go, we'll take the bad with the good, you know, we're going to do that. We're just, just for the chance that you hit that ceiling, we will accept that there are going to be games where you just implode and there are going to be games where you struggle. We're okay with that because if you do hit your ceiling, we're winning the national championship. It's as simple as that. Like Anthony Richardson, if he does hit his ceiling, is the best quarterback in college football. Not even close to it yet. He's not. That's something I've been saying, but uh, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll see that. 
Early on, Anthony Richmond was allowed to throw the ball deep a little more often, and then they quickly kind of pulled that in. I don't know if they were like, hey, that's not going to work, or if Anthony Richardson's banged up ankle, they were just like, hey, you're not going to be able to make that throw consistently with that ankle, or if it was maybe they felt the pass rush was going to get in, although I don't think that was necessarily the issue. Pass rush got in a few times, um, but I don't think it was worrisome enough early on to go, man, Anthony Richardson's not going to be able to throw the ball deep. So I, I don't think that, but I do think that he was asked to do too much throwing the football. Obviously, I get it. If he banged up his ankle, he can't do much running the football, give the ball to other players. Um, but it, it was just bad. And and they were just asking him to do way too much of, you know, boot and make the right read underneath, over top, run the ball, whatever it is. He was asked to do too much. 35 pass attempts is too much. That's just a fact. Run the ball with other people. Do whatever it is you got to do with 35 pass attempts, especially when a lot of them are just right around the line of scrimmage. It's horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. So so there's that. Um, we're about to talk about the play calling more because I, I do have a genuine big issue with that. But first, a quick word from Underdog Fantasy because this episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football season. It's easy to play and win cold, hard cash in a single game. I know I made money this weekend. Uh, the easiest pick for me was Xavier Henderson getting more than four catches. I mean... Come on, that was that was just that was obviously happening, especially with the rate that they run screens now um, to him specifically. That was easy money. Underdog has investment backing by Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and more to help build a fantasy platform with a fun user experience. Especially when you click share, and it's got the little cool graph that you can share, tweet out if you want. You can support, and they have a great support team. You can support your team. Sign up with the promo code Locked On, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100, get another $100 with code Locked On Underdog Fantasy. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day, we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Talking about this play calling from Saturday night, because my lord, was that atrocious. Um, and I don't just mean you know, asking Anthony Richardson to drop back 39 times. Uh, I don't mean that. I mean, running the ball when they ran the ball, the way that they chose to run the ball. Early on, Florida was being pretty creative running the ball. They were being pretty creative. They were being pretty exotic. They were trying to get stretches and get out wide and pick up these chunk plays, and it worked every now and then. But towards the end of the game, it was just some of the worst play calling and situational game playing game calling that I've seen. It, it was just horrible. Like the last drive, really, or the last real drive that Florida had, we were like, okay, like we're still in this. Running the ball up the middle on third and five with Naquan Wright, it looked like it was a read option. And can, clearly the whole night, Kentucky was like, hey, we're going to let Anthony Richardson hand this ball off and we're just going to focus on everybody else, which is the approach you should take, by the way. I think I said this earlier. I was like, your approach should be we're going to commit to the quarterback early let him hand it off, and we're going to have 10 other people flying at the ball. And, and I think that's the right way to to approach the read option. Um, I think it's the best way to contain it. But running up the gut on third and five while losing late just made no sense to me, especially when you're like, yeah, we're just going to run boot on fourth down. It was, I don't want to say cowardly play calling. I feel like that's very rude to say, but it, it was just way too conservative. 
And it, it was just bad. You know, I, I think especially running with Naquan, right? Like I, I love Naquan. I've been very, very open this offseason that I think Naquan Wright's incredibly talented. But this season so far, Naquan Wright has far and away been the least effective back of the trio. Like by a huge margin, Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne have been considerably more productive and efficient than Naquan Wright has been through the first two games. Um, he shouldn't have been the guy. He shouldn't have been the guy on the field late, uh, unless he was in pass protection, which he struggled week one against Utah. Had that bad holding call, but last or uh, Saturday night, I think I saw him in pass protection two or three times. Didn't allow a pressure off them, so congrats there. But uh, yeah, he should have been on the field there that late. Uh, and yeah, like I said, running the ball third and five in that situation was just such awful, awful management and awful play calling. It was terrible. On top of that, the, the the entirety of the game, running those wide receiver screens, oh, that that made my head hurt. Um, that like, Genuinely, that was just so disheartening to see all those wide receiver screens, not even, not even disguising them and not throwing them to the most explosive option. If you're going to throw that many wide receiver screens, you should be throwing them to Ricky Pearsall or Marcus Burke, or Dejon Reynolds, or someone who's more likely to create a big play out of it. Xavier Henderson, I give you credit. You've been shiftier. You've made more plays than I thought you would have already. But you should not be the screen man there, especially when you're a fairly solid blocker in the screens that we saw last year. You were a fairly solid blocker, so I don't think you should be out there. Also, the, the not disguising it part, there was one screen where uh, I don't remember where Florida was lined up in terms of hashes, but on the far left of Anthony Richardson was Dante Zanders, Keon Zipperer, and then behind them out wide was Xavier Henderson. And I was like, okay, this is probably going to be like, like a fake screen or something. Cause I mean, you're showing screen at that point. Um, nope, nope. They, they ran the screen. Uh, they, they threw the screen to Xavier Henderson. I'm pretty sure it was like a gain of like three. And I was like, was it really worth it to sell out that much to pick up three yards? Um, so it's stuff like that where you're not disguising the play. You're not throwing it to the most explosive options you have. What are you even doing there then? There were times also where Kentucky would leave the left side of the field open because Florida wasn't calling anything that way anymore. Um, they, especially in the air, it was just not happening. I don't know if that's an Anthony Richardson preference. I don't think it is. I think it's Billy Napier's play calling. Um, but there was one play where they brought a little bit of pressure and they had someone spying Anthony Richardson. Left side was completely open. They didn't even have a rusher coming from the left side. They didn't have coverage really focusing on the left side. They just had their spy. And Anthony Richardson still rolled to the right. So maybe it is Anthony Richardson's fault that they're not going to the left side. But Kentucky, at a certain point, got to completely abandon that left side of the field. And if you don't at least test them on the left side of the field, Florida's going to get demolished with that one-read offense, whatever you want to call it. It's crap. So Florida's going to get demolished if you just keep letting the left side of the field, just not looking at it. Um, even if you're going, hey, this is designed just Justin Shorter's running a streak, Xavier Henderson's running a streak, whoever it is, down the left side of the field, and we're going to throw that ball there. Even if you just just make them defend the left side of the field a little bit. 
Because we've talked about that with so many quarterbacks through college and in the NFL. We're like, hey, this guy can't throw to the left side of the field. That's what teams are going to start doing with Anthony Richardson. And I'll tell you what, Florida's not a good enough team to go, yeah, no, we're lulling them into that for the first few games of the season. And then against Georgia, we're going to do it. No, like, like that's not going to work. Because if you do that, you're going to go into the Georgia game. I forget which game of the season it is number-wise. You're going to go into the game 3-3, three and 2-4, three, and four, whatever it is. You're going to go into the game with a bad record. And you're not going to be able to get into a bowl game. You're not going to get into a good bowl game because of it. So you just can't do that. It is horrible play calling throughout the entirety of the night. Situationally, it was horrible game calling. I don't know what it is, but it was bad. And I mentioned the, the horrible boot action with just underneath an overtop option. If AR was as banged up as he appeared to be, you can't do that because he's not going to want to scramble. So if they're covered, he's going to throw the ball and it's going to get picked, like what happened with Jordan Wright. Like that, that's what's going to happen there. If he's as banged up as he is, I think you got to just go, hey, put two backs in the backfield, put AR in the shotgun, put two backs in the backfield, or put him in the pistol, one back next to him, one back behind him. Run options if you want to, like just midline option where Anthony Erickson reads the middle and can run up the middle so he doesn't have to you, you do too much uh, too much lateral movement. He doesn't have to worry about juking too much. He can just get up, get a couple yards, and get down. Um Put them in the backfield, threaten both flats, just run them into the flats and have at least an option there on either side. Whatever you want to do, run the ball to either direction. I don't care. But if he's as banged up as he is, you've got to put more people in the backfield near him and more people in the backfield that can help him. Run more running back screens. Where is that? What? Where is that? That's what I want to know. Why are we not just going, hey, we want to throw the ball but it ain't working a ton right now, so let's just get an easy completion there. I don't know what it is, but it, it was pitiful. Um, that's, I think, the only way that I could explain it was that it was genuinely pitiful play calling. It was horrible. It was bad. It sucked. We're about to talk about the defense, which the play calling was fantastic, by the way. Um, but we're about to talk about the defense. But first, a quick word from LinkedIn, because as the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs helps you make it easier for you to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people that you want to interview faster and for free. If you've never used LinkedIn Jobs before, I highly recommend it. That's how I got my job before locked on. But here, I'm happier, but nothing wrong with them. With simple tools like screening questions, it makes it easier for you to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality leads versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. And did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdown college. That's linkedin.com slash lockdown college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. To wrap up today's show, we're talking about the Florida Gators defense, and I've had a couple of issues with it. I think play calling was very, very good. Um, I don't know if any of you tuned in, but I was on a remote commentary stream on a on playback with Coach Vass, who if you don't follow, fantastic follow on Twitter, um, with Coach Vass. And and he was praising the play calling as well. Like, they did a fantastic job calling plays and disguising blitzes and disguising coverages and doing all these things. Didn't have the talent to do it consistently, I think, um, and to maximize it. The defense at the top is very good, I think. I think when you're looking at the top flight defense, when you're looking at Brenton Cox, uh, when you're looking at Javon Dexter, when you're looking at Ventrell Miller, when you're looking at Jason Marshall, Avery Helm, Rashad Torrance, Trey Dean, 
uh, even Desmond Watson against the run early on. I think when you're looking at a lot of those guys, you're going, okay, like, like we've got some very good play. Then I get Desmond Watson didn't technically start, but he, he played a good deal of snaps when it mattered. Um, I think when you look at the top, you're going, okay, like, like these guys are good, but the depth isn't there. Like Desmond Watson should not be playing. I think it was 26 snaps this week. Uh, I think he played 28 against Utah. He shouldn't be playing that many snaps because it was very clear towards the end of the end of the game. He was gassed. And that's one of those things where I said against Utah, and I was like, look, Amari Bernie, it's not his fault he got beaten man coverage. He should have been put in that situation. That's the coaching staff. You should have been a better player there. Desmond Watson should not have been on the field as often as he was. He shouldn't have been there. That's the coaching staff's fault. So there were issues like that. But also, the team desperately, desperately needs depth. I cannot wait for all the defensive line talent to come in from the 2023 class. That's not even a knock on our current defensive line talent in Gainesville. That to me saying, this is the second week in a row where in the second half, a team had significantly more success than they had in the first half running the ball against Florida. And it's not, oh, they figured Florida out. No, it's that the starters that are still playing are way too gassed to consistently go up against the run and consistently stop it. And the depth isn't good enough to stop the run consistently against starting offensive lines and, and starting rushing attacks and all that fun stuff. Um, so I think that's the biggest issue for me right now. But here's the thing. Florida can't necessarily fix that yet. It's just a matter of either starters having better conditioning, which, again, that's hard to ask them. I think Javon Dexter played like 60-something snaps. It's hard to ask him to play consistently well when he's playing that many snaps at that size, at that physical of a position. Or you've got to be like, hey, the depth, we need to speed up your development and get you better. But again, that's hard to do at this point in the season. And the issue, come or the question through the offseason was, is this eight-and-a-half-month stretch enough for Florida to fix all these issues and get everybody up to speed? So far, the answer is looking like no, depth-wise at least. Uh, again, I think that the starters played great. I think Rashad Torrance the second trading fantastic duo trading played arguably the best game of his career on Saturday night that like against the run, especially he was fantastic. He was bringing pressure. He was doing a great job. Stupid roughing the passer made no sense. I get it. He hit him at the knee and they're like, Oh, can't hit high. Can't hit low two hand touch QB. Then that's the rule. Now that's, that's what's gotta be the rule. Now if you're to do that, uh, we're going to find out with depth, how much it's really going to impact the scene. Because right now we're looking at Rashad Torrance played, uh, he came back in the game, but he, I don't know if it was his shoulder or what, but he got banged up a little bit after making a tackle on one of the tight ends. Ventura Miller has a lower leg injury. We're going to see how long that keeps him out. But that, that I noticed that during the game. So again, I was doing this remote commentary thing, so I couldn't hear what they were saying on broadcast or anything. But I noticed Scooby Williams, and I was saying, I was like, it's not a good sign if Scooby Williams is on the field right now in this situation where Kentucky's clearly going to run the ball. That's not his strong suit, so I'm curious what's happening. Um, Amari Bernie played a good deal of edge. I'd like to see him play more off-ball linebacker if he's going to play at all. That's just more me saying I, I genuinely do think the depth at edge is pretty good. Uh, I think against Utah, you know, pretty much every edge defender played at least solid. Um, so I'd like to see Amari Bernie play less of the edge, which he did against Utah a little bit, but especially with Van Tremler out. You got to be off ball more. Shamar James, Scooby Williams, uh, Derek Wingo, 
Jawan Black will maybe see the field a little bit now. Again, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. I'm not a coach. I don't make that decision. But with uh, Ben Trembler getting injured, with the, just the defensive line not looking great, with Rashad Torrance getting banged up, coming back to play, but getting banged up, you're looking at a team where it's like, okay, the depth has struggled mightily through the first two games of the season. Can we get them on track? I think against USF, honestly, I think with USF, Florida should try to score a ton early. Just be like, hey, we're just going to get into a shootout if we got to. But, I mean, obviously, we won't expect USF to get into a shootout, but we'll see. But I think you go, USF, we're going to try to put up a ton of points early. And honestly, play the depth a ton. Play the depth of time. It'll help them get up to speed. It'll help rest the starters because a week after that, you've got Tennessee, and Tennessee's going to go up tempo. And if they're going up tempo and your starters' conditioning is not fantastic and your depth is struggling, Tennessee's going to work Florida offensively. Uh, so it's going it's to be very tough there. So that you've got to worry about it. I think against Tennessee, we see Florida play tempo in the opposite way. I think they're just going to hold the ball and try to run the ball because Tennessee, again, they're going to try to score a ton on you, and you got to stop them early on and make them just th- throw them fits, really. Um, but this is just a Florida Gators team where the top talent is so good on the defense. Depth, major issue. Got to figure out a way to fix it. Because, I mean, I think the play calling against Kentucky was fantastic defensively, aside from a couple of plays. But it, it's a matter of doing it consistently and having the depth that can do it. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We're available daily and free reviews in the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Tape Tuesday, baby. Gonna hate it. <laughs> Gonna hate it. it. It was ugly. So we'll be back, though. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country of SI.com. And I'll see you all tomorrow.